Old Testament reading is from Genesis, the first chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle comes from Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died in sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, by, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Again, verse. Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. So here we are. Epiphany season has arrived. We're done, we're putting away the Christmas stuff today. You know, the point set is we'll all have to find new homes and wait to come out red next year again. But 
Epiphany is a season for Christian theology and learning. It's a thing where we recognize the fact that God became truly flesh, but also it's the time where we emphasize in Epiphany that the man Jesus is truly God. The recorded history of Christ's baptism, which is included among the stories of turning water into, you know, the best wine. You know, also miraculous healings, casting out demons, and just all the things that God is able to do. To emphasize that the man Jesus is truly God. And those historical points that the Bible mentions, all these things performed in front of living eyewitnesses. After all, Jesus' death didn't happen in a vacuum, but rather was in a crowd of people. His resurrection was recognized by a ton of folks. And so we have that Jesus is not just a person claiming to be God. Instead, he is a unique Messiah who stands alone as the Savior of the world. Epiphany is the time for us to go, Eureka, yeah, Jesus is the Son of God. And that wasn't given to us by V8 juice, but rather it was given to us by the inspiration of Scripture through the Spirit's prodding. And so you and I, we have a time to proclaim Jesus as that person whom God has sent as his only son, born of a man as a man, under the law to fulfill what the law demands for all of us. And so this revealing time in Epiphany, you know, many times we remember the Magi, the star, and we sing, you know, star of wonder, star of night. You know, these words that we remember that light, the truth, the revelation of God as Jesus, the Son of God, is so wondrous. And, you know, when in our gospel reading today, we have Jesus being baptized by John. And in Mark's account, there was no one there to hear the voice of the Lord. But Jesus was, and John was. The other gospels give us more information, but Mark just makes it very straight and clear to us. It's God's action that matters. And so our Old Testament reading today went all the way back to Genesis 1 in the beginning. And you know, in that day, there was no one to hear God's voice either. Because after all, there was nothing, right? The Spirit of God hovering over the water. And God spoke, let there be light. And voila, all of a sudden, there was a universe and creation and all these things. So you have word and water and spirit. Word, water, spirit. We see that in the Old Testament creation, but we also see that at the baptism of our Lord. 
Jesus, the word become flesh and dwelling among us. We see the spirit of God coming down like a dove. And yes, water, the Jordan River. So here in Jesus' life are these basic things of creation, things that happened in Genesis that are now being restarted, recreated, as it were, in the life of Jesus. So what does all that mean for us? Guess what, folks? Paul is really good at explaining things, okay? Romans 6, you know, it really should be like tattooed all over our body somewhere, you know. But maybe with markers that are erasable, okay? But still, you know, we were buried, therefore, with Christ by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Well, what wondrous truths we've already discovered this morning in our Epiphany text as we understand baptism, Jesus, and how God is recreating a people for himself. Now, let me tell you, as a pastor, I sometimes get, well, comments for preaching impractical sermons, right? You know, pastors in general were accused of preaching about things too much in the abstract or things that will happen after we die. We're sometimes told that we spend too much time preaching about doctrine and not enough time preaching about what people really need. I don't know, in my mind, people need doctrine. So therefore, that's what we preach. Okay, so that's a practical thing. But we also need to be relevant, don't we? And we have to address things that people are going through on a day-to-day basis. And so, we need to preach things that are real, that are truth. So let's be real and truthful today. Every living person here today has to come to grips with the fact that our lives are temporary and that we're all on the clock. I don't know who it was this morning, but somebody's clock stopped. In fact, the one in the lobby stopped. We had to put a new battery in. New life right there. But you see, you and I, deep down, all of us are looking for something to fill the holes in our lives. Things that we don't like to talk about, but we all have them. Maybe we're lonely. Maybe we're insecure or fearful. Maybe we have experienced loss or have needs that are common to us all. In this room, there are children who are afraid of the future. There are widows and widowers who are grieving the loss of their spouses. There are women who feel unappreciated and men who feel that they have failed their children. There are some in this room that are carrying a lifetime of guilt. And then there are those also who appear to have everything and still have a lack in their lives. They feel uneasy when it's quiet. 
And there are some that feel at times that they, yes, they want to end it. You see, everybody has holes to fill. And everybody is looking for something to fill those holes. As one of my professors once said, everyone is dying to live. So how about that for real so far? So you and I, we strive to fill in those holes in our lives. And we need something real and full of truth. Our problem, though, is that we spend too much time trying to fill them with things that really won't last. We humans seek every kind of diversion from our fallen heart to devise and try to fill those holes in us. Entertainment, technology, achievement, money, false spiritualities, yes, and sex, and drugs, and alcohol, the glory of men, yes, all those things. Football, oh my. Boy, there's confession. <laughs> so you and I, we realize that many times we try to fill holes with things that really won't help us. In fact, after that football season's done, what are you going to fill your hole with now? I know, basketball. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was coming. So to fill those holes, though, we need something real. Something real that can't be found in your elected officials, in your favorite cable news show. Something real that can't be found in social media or on a concert stage or even in the self-help books. The real things that fill the holes are flesh and blood. The real things that fill holes are bread and wine. The real things that fill the holes are wood and water, dirt and death and life. The real thing that fills all those holes is truth. Not lies, not half-truths, but real truth. And to find that real truth, we have to go to where? God's word, the source of all truth and goodness. And so we need to hear the word of our Lord concerning the truth, concerning our lives today. You know, you and I, we, we roam this earth, we roam this planet looking for great things to be impressed by, but yet many of us have it sitting on a shelf right in our homes, the holy word of God. Never can you exhaust it of its promises, of its truth. So to comfort your weary souls and strengthen your faith, God has given you something real, tangible, truth to hang on to. So don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I don't know about you. That sounds like a great memory verse, maybe for February. Great words. You know, the Apostle Paul was given the Spirit of God, and he came and was directed to write and pen these words for us. 
and he directs the weary hearts of the Romans in that day to something they can hold on to. Paul tells them that they're connected to Christ, to Jesus. He reminds them that they've been washed with real water that was connected to the real word. And he proclaims that this is a real event, something real that has happened to them. Notice that it wasn't just for the Romans of that day was that truth, but for you and I today. And so you and I, we are connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus. When he died, you died. When he rose from the dead, you rose from the dead. Now everything is different. Now when you feel a sense of confusion or uncertainty about your identity or value or about what you're about to put your hope into, you can look to that moment when Jesus joined himself to you with water and you were changed. It's hard for you and I to live in this fallen world But the reality, the truth of our baptism gives us forgiveness, identity, salvation, and hope. And this week, many of you received a letter from me that I poised a question to you. You know, what does Christ want me to do for his church? And I went on in that letter to tell you just a little bit about my thoughts about that. Let me just quote myself once, okay? So what does Christ want me to do for his church? Well, I, as your pastor, also think a lot about that. Uh, The Lord wants me to cherish his people, to walk with them in times of joy and sadness, to preach the word in every season and be faithful to it, to encourage those plagued with despair, comfort those who feel loss, and to welcome the stranger, to teach and equip disciples, administer the sacraments, and try to be available whenever I'm needed. And yes, also to be a faithful husband, father, and a baptized child of God. End quote. Boy, that's a long list. But yet, the thing that powers all of that is being a baptized child of God. Notice it came at the end, but it really is my identity for everything else. It starts with what God has done for us, the truth that gave us life. That's what gives us strength then to do all the other things so that when we usher, when we read, when we light candles, when we take down decorations, when we plant a poinsettia, all those things that we do in our baptized life, they are all giving glory to God because of who we are. And so, being a baptized child of God enables us to do things for our church, for others. And in fact, being a baptized child of God means that, golly gee, I'm his. He planted his spirit in me. He washed me clean. He forgave me. He claimed and chose me. He empowered me. He indwelled his spirit in my heart. That's pretty darn practical stuff here, folks. And guess what? It's doctrine. It's biblical. It's truth. And it's real. 
we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. So death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So you have Paul connecting Christ's death and resurrection to your baptism. You were connected to that cross in baptism. Jesus' real flesh and blood were nailed with real nails to real wood when Jesus hung on a real cross and experienced a very real death. And guess what? He really paid for all of your real sins, saving you from a very real hell, and also connected you to himself, that you could live with him forever. I don't know about you, but that gives me an awful lot of things to be thankful for. You know, and it empowers me to want to do more for his people, for his message, for his truth, because he fills up all those empty holes in our lives. The Christian life is not a perfect life. At times, we as Christians will experience loneliness, we'll be fearful, we will suffer, we will deal with sin, both ours and that of others, but the Christian life is also one of assurance and hope. So as we return to the world this morning, this first Sunday of a new year, remember your baptism, how it connects you to Christ. Maybe light a candle in remembrance of your baptism day, the new life that was given to you, the light that came and dwelled within you, not because of your worth, but because of God's love for you. And so may we find life and salvation in our identity as baptized children of God. And as God gives us, let us give cheerfully and generously to one another. And you know, we find in the reality of this Christ, this real human flesh guy, Jesus, we find our hope because he's not just human, but he is God's own son. And because of that, we know his word is truth, has power, and will indeed fill those empty holes, will forgive us, cleanse us, and give us reality renewed. And so, whoever said that preaching doctrine isn't practical, it's very practical for us. So, may you and I today rejoice because you are a baptized child of God. God loves you. So may we now, in return, love him. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.